welcome to the, the next talk in our Summer Loving series. The area that we're going to be looking at today is loving the foreigner. There's an Old Testament verse in Leviticus that says, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. A foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. And in the New Testament, in Galatians 3.8, it reminds us, Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. We will be looking at how God speaks to his people in the Old and New Testament today. There are also times in the Bible, such as Luke 24, when the disciples are talking amongst themselves on the road to Emmaus, is that how you say? <laughs> Asking questions, and Jesus comes alongside them and answers them. We were drawn to that kind of discussion and want to reflect on our dialogue with you and invite you to join in on Zoom and Facebook, and we pray God speaks to us on that journey. So Valentina, when Steve first suggested that we take this topic, what were your first thoughts? Well, my first thought was that I'm foreign. I was born overseas. Then the thoughts just kept coming to us. So it's exciting to share it with you. But can I just say what a foreign heat wave we just had in the past week? Do you remember how the Moroccans cope with high temperatures? I remember when we were on holiday in Morocco, the restaurant would put tables and chairs out in a nearby shallow stream. So you would eat with your uh, feet in the water. There's a great tip for this hot weather if it, uh, it carries on. Um, but coming back to that, what were your first experiences when you came to this country? Well, there were no massive culture clashes apart from occasionally being inappropriately overdressed when I came here from Ukraine to join an international team. I soon noticed that foreign people uh, do get mixed reception, but in contrast, I felt like I belong when I met people from this church. My English and my faith in God were rather limited at the start, but I was drawn to Jesus through the love and acceptance of believers. I wasn't a quick win. It took me over a year before I gave my life to Jesus. But people from this church and in my home group were loving and patient with me while I was defrosting in God's love, so to speak. That's great. So taking time with people and accepting them for, as they are are really important and, and key points. Um, I know when we were talking about this, the, the passage in John 4, uh, with the Samaritan woman really spoke to us. So let, let me read that to us in John 4. Uh, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. But his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? The Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. You see, there's, there's so many reasons in, his, in this story for Jesus not to love this person. They were different in so many ways. 
She was a woman. Jesus was a man. He shouldn't be talking to her. She was a Samaritan. He was a Jew. He shouldn't be talking to her. She was an adulteress whom the rest of the village had shunned. He shouldn't be talking to her. Yet we have John 4.10 as one of our go-to verses in scripture. Come to me and I will give you living water. And it's said by Jesus to someone who from everybody else's perspective would have been the last in line to receive anything from God. Mm. So reaching out to this person didn't mean Jesus ignored real life issues that needed to be addressed. And he offers her so much more than just a problem fix. Many people from other nations are here around Gatwick for obvious need of a job. Like that Samaritan woman, she was after her daily business to get what she needed. In my mundane earning a living, I was not actively searching for life transforming encounter with God, yet Jesus gives us not just water to quench the thirst, he gives time and well that doesn't dry out. But what about you? Can you relate to any experiences of being a foreigner? I do remember the first time that, that we went to Ukraine. I was uh, really excited to, to see a different culture, to try some different food. Uh, but I was also really aware that I didn't speak the language. And my one big fear was, what would we do if we got separated? Yeah, what would I do? Who would I talk to? Um, and your mum had picked up on this. So she gave me this little card with some text on it um, that basically said, please look after this guy. He doesn't speak English. And here's a phone number to ring. Um, it was a little bit like Paddington Bear with his kind of please look after this bear label around his neck. It was, it was such a small thing to do, but it meant so much to me. Mm. So understanding that people might find a new environment a bit daunting is a helpful way to respond to them. Mm. Language could indeed be such a barrier and prevent us from relationship building. But talking different languages and what we might call strange tongues, there's a great verse in Isaiah 21, 11, with foreign lips and strange tongues, God will speak to these people. God speaks to us through people who are different. We learn so much from people from other nations and miss out on so much when we ignore them. Is this where we're going to tell the artichoke story? Can't miss out on artichoke story. I wonder how your cooking experiences have been through this lockdown. Our menu for some time looked quite samey samey, not again, that kind of food. Um, so when delivery became easier, we went quite adventurous about it. And if technology allows, we will share some foreign flavor pictures that arrived on our table, such as gooseberries, pomegranate, and the artichoke, the one that stood out. So perhaps we can catch a glimpse of it at that point, if the video comes on. Maybe not, <laughs> but just use your imagination. And the first glance, um, I would say artichoke, well, it sounds foreign. It doesn't look like it belongs or has much to offer. It's just a thick-skinned uh, flower. Who would imagine you can make a meal out of it? But giving it a bit of time and attention and it opens up 
with that incredible purple inner flower and a delicious heart of artichoke behind it. Food aside, we see in Jesus this remarkable ability to engage with people who were very different without compromising the truth of the gospel, giving them time, acceptance and attention to help them open up and blossom in the freedom that he brings. And Jesus actually got into trouble from all sorts of people, including his disciples, for reaching out to people that others would have expected or advised him to avoid. There are loads of times when Jesus is challenged for eating with people, such as tax collectors or prostitutes, people who, to put it bluntly, had a lifestyle that's foreign to how the upstanding Jews would have lived. All the gospel writers seem to pick up on this. And he got into trouble for, for even going to Samaria. John takes the time in his gospel to point out that Jesus was passing through Samaria. Uh, that's important because Samaria lay directly between Jerusalem and Galilee. Uh, and any Jew wanting to go from one to the other would have had to pass through Samaria. But, but they actually took this long route to, to go around the region to avoid entering it. Uh, and over time, that had become the normal path. Um, but Jesus isn't going to avoid anyone. In this passage, Jesus intentionally takes the unpopular route to reach the foreigner. Racial differences cause so much conflict and tension both now and in the past. But Jesus calls his church to the unity in his love. In 2 Corinthians 5, 14 says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. At the end of 19th century, Louisa Stent lost her husband when he tried to uh, save a boy from drowning. Leaning on God through her grieving not only resulted in a well-known hymn, it is so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus says the Lord, I'm so glad I learned to trust thee, precious Jesus, saviour, friend, and I know that thou art with me, wilt be with me to the end. Trusting Jesus, Louisa went as a missionary to South Africa where she served the Lord for next 25 years. The world is changed by faith and courage of people who are passionate about social justice and about bringing God's love beyond the borders, in spite of personal tragedies, persecution or danger. Just last weekend, we saw in the news a record number of refugees with many children crossing English Channel. And it's a real challenge as to how we react to that. What was I thinking? Recession? Um, can the NHS cope? Or to pray, Jesus, have mercy on them. Give them the living water that they need. 
how do we respond? Mm, such a challenging question, is it? How do we respond? Uh, but we see that Jesus reaches out in love to, to those who need him, regardless of any criteria of race, social position, education, and we should do the same. Now, Christ's extraordinary love is not just something that we should admire from afar. It absolutely should compel us to act in the same way. Mm. We can't name you all in the lockdown, but want to commend you for praying, for radiating God's love and acceptance as you welcome people through the door when we do meet. For talking to foreign visitors with limited English, for embracing people from other nations at Revive, or like Nicola, for offering practical help by giving time and resources to help Russian mom with an autistic child. We can use our gifts and resources to love the foreigner in a practical way. They say it takes a family to raise a child. It's similar in the church family to raise a Christian. And do you remember before the lockdown in one of our small groups, um, in one of the meetings around Easter last year, when we had Lithuanian, Sri Lankan, Colombian, Czech, Russian, Ukrainian, English people all together, <laughs> gathered, of course, with lots of food, but very little English between us. But as we translated the scriptures and worshiped God together, we felt such joy and unity in God's love, which is a universal language. Just as our earlier illustration with different colorful food, God made us so diverse, yet beautiful together. That was uh, an amazing evening with all those different languages. Um, and coming back to the story of Jesus and his interactions with people, uh, I'm sure that he listened to these people as well and heard their stories. Uh, these conversations must have been far more than Jesus just sitting in a corner saying, you know, I'm right, and you're wrong and you need to change. There would have been a dialogue and an exchange and a growing understanding between everybody involved in the conversations. There is another great verse in Romans 5, uh, verses six to eight, that we both thought uh, was key to this whole subject. So let me read that and perhaps you can open it to us briefly. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah, it's a great, great passage, isn't it? Uh, we so often talk of Jesus as being our brother and our friend, and, and that's absolutely right. But there's a real honesty in Paul's writing that shows just how foreign we were to Jesus. And yet he still loved us. I would die for my family. They're good people in my eyes, and I'm sure most of us would make that same sort of sacrifice. Paul acknowledges that, but would we die for the stranger, the foreigner, the one who's absolutely opposed to all that we believe in and hold dear? Paul says that while we were still sinners and as foreign to God 
and his ideals as it's possible to be. Christ died for us. Uh, I, I imagine this kind of conversation in heaven is probably not very theologically accurate because Jesus is God himself. There's no disharmony there. But, but I like to think of, of God the Father outlining his plan for salvation. Uh, and he says, son, you have to go and die for these people. Uh, if Christ were like us, he, he might well have replied, but dad, they're, they're sinners. They're so unworthy. They're, they're so foreign. But not my will, but yours be done. We, we can sometimes lose sight that our sin has separated us from God. It's made us foreigners to him to a far greater degree than any two people from two different nations are foreigners to each other. Mm. Yeah. So you usually give three points, but because it is two of us, can we have six for a double? <laughs> so there's, there's so much more we can do in response. Okay. Is that okay? Okay. So to conclude, observing how Jesus loves the foreigner gives us takeaway points. One, accept those who are different in appearance, perspective, lifestyle, custom, or even those who oppose us. Number two, listen to them, even if they sound foreign and, and you don't get the whole sentence. Three, give them time. We don't control where we are born, but we can steward our time and resources that we are given and use them as God prompts us to. Number four, invest in the kingdom. Just reflects our offerings towards our 2020 vision goals. It's, it's great to be part of a generous church that's making an impact on people near and far. Yes, it rhymes well. Help them. I remember talking to Rachel about joining our church activity with Russian community and how instead of um, thinking of a list of obstacles, she just said, let's explore how it can work. And then finally, number six, pray and follow where God takes you. Share the gospel with them out of love. Uh, you may see it visually now, but then again, you, you may not. But those were our six points. Yeah, it's dot, dot, dot. We can express love for the foreigner in more ways than we can list or mention here. For some of us, it may mean moving countries, crossing borders for the gospel. The impact on Samaritan woman was in turning from avoiding people to running to tell everyone about Jesus. This is like from nothing to offer, broken and empty bucket, to becoming a channel of living water for Christ in her community. And it's great to see how we're still being a channel and, and reaching out to all sorts of people in these difficult times. Uh, further than ever we're reaching out as, as we do church like this uh, online. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, he died on the cross so that you may not die, but have eternal life. If you accept him and so that he may not be foreign to you. Galatians 3 verse 14 says, he redeemed us in order 
that blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. And we see from early in the Bible how God not only includes and loves the foreigner, but his plan is for the living water of salvation to reach everyone. We mentioned Isaiah earlier. Now in Isaiah 49, 6, God says, I will make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. I'll read the scripture again of us and invite the Holy Spirit to show us how to respond to our final dialogue question. How does God prompt you to love the foreigner in this season? So in Isaiah 49, verse 6, God says, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for letting us share our thoughts with you. Uh, we hope that's been really helpful. Uh, we're going to hand back now to Dave and Ali, our hosts. Thanks again for listening.